This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by Pottery. Clay beware. Uh, what? That clay. Yeah. This is what you use when you do the potteries. Yeah. And then it, you, you want it to beware. Where oh, as in oh, like containers. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> Solid goof. I spent a week writing that. <laughs> open the rotting wooden door and enter the musty darkness of the dungeon, tripping over the skeletal remains of the unlucky adventurers who came before you. You cast a summon light spell and roll a natural 20, illuminating the space to reveal the dungeon's inhabitants. Two grown men, in the process of watching every episode of Home Improvement and then talking about it. One is Truman Caps, the other is Landon Solano. Roll initiative and prepare for combat. This is Grunt Work. Ah, Feels so good to be out of that dungeon. We climbed, we climbed, we climbed out of the dungeon, and <laughs> coincidentally, at the same time, plugged in the cord to the laptop, so we're not just recording <laughs> off the onboard mic. But this is definitely yeah. better than than you singing again and me doing the D and D intro again <laughs> and us acting yes. like we're surprised. Hey, you know what? This is all about authenticity. You know what? This is like a, a European art film, warts and all. Yeah, yeah. This you is, get everything. Yeah, this is it's like it's like live radio, except without the live part. You know, anything <laughs> anything can happen, and they'll hear it, provided we don't edit it out. Which in this case, we will not. We will not edit yeah. it out. Um, yeah. So that's our that, show, and that, now we're <laughs> welcome. We are off to a great start here, but I, I'm kind of loving this energy. So so far. Yeah, this is, this is great. This is great. Anything yeah. could happen. Yeah, Truman, uh, how are you, uh, aside from what, uh, the, the adventure that we just went on? I'm, I'm fine other than that. I have that, I have that post-dungeon, uh, adrenaline rush, uh, just coursing <laughs> through my veins. Uh, no, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. I am feeling good. I'm feeling like I have more power in my life. Nice. Uh, you know, it is, uh, it is late summer. It's, yep. it's warm. The, the sun is out, although the sun is always out in California. That's true. And yeah, uh, all, all, all told, it's been damn good times. How yeah, about yeah. yourself? Uh, good. I actually had a moment the other day, um, Ooh. as I, I have many moments, many days. Uh, one might say 24 hours of moments every day. How many, how many moments in an hour? <laughs> uh, at least 60. Okay. So, so moments can't be less than a second. No, I would say a moment can be less than a second for sure. So, so really, how long is a moment? It's a case by case scenario. I, I'm, I'm hitting you too hard. You had something that happened. <laughs> hopefully, it's not. Hopefully, it's not an encounter from the grocery store regarding lima beans because I've heard that one before, <laughs> sir. No, so it's uh, at a coffee shop that I frequent. I'm uh, pretty, you know, on familiar terms with the the baristas there. Yes, uh, barista, I believe, is the. The term they I, use. I, I don't. I don't think there's another. One. I don't coffee th- makers. I don't think people who make coffee are an impressed group who we need to like worry about <laughs> how we refer to them. I think that's Listen, just. Listen, a- Taylor is very sensitive about <laughs> his title. <laughs> um. Anyhow, I so I'm familiar with this one barista. Many of them, but uh, I was talking to this guy, and he was saying something about um feeling off that day, and that he was uh, behind the counter. Uh, feeling like he was putting on a facade for all the customers. And I launched into this very cliche advice giving, like, well, you know, Patrick, we all wear masks. 
<laughs> and I couldn't help but think that I was being influenced or at the very least channeling Wilson on some level. Was your face partially obscured by the latte machine? <laughs> it totally was. It totally was. Also, is there a latte machine or is it an espresso machine? <laughs> um, Are lattes made by machines? I don't drink no, coffee. Lattes, yeah, no, you make the espresso to put in a latte. Okay, so so 50%. 50%, yeah. I, I was not enough to correct you on it. Did, did Patrick was his name? Yes. Did Patrick then turn and regurgitate a mangled, incorrect version of your advice to the other baristas? <laughs> well, uh, in a in a sense, he did then quote back to me um, uh, a line from The Mask, starring Jim Carrey, oh, as as opposed to The Mask, starring Sir Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> I much preferred that version. The remake with Jim Carrey was just not the same. I thought you were going to say Sir Eric Stoltz uh, and Cher, but um, I digress. No, well, that was just that was just Mask. <laughs> oh, you're right. That was just like that was the gritty reboot that was just Mask. They they took out all the all the laughter and comedy and the superhero <laughs> aspects and also made it like ten years before yeah. the Mask. Yeah, uh, not uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know when the Mask came out. I know when The Mask came out. I don't know when Mask came out. I, I know that The Mask came out in 1994 because yeah. that was when we were introduced to Cameron Diaz. That is correct. That was her first role in Hollywood, just lead role opposite <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey in The Mask. Yes. Kind of uh, both two shooting stars rising at the same time. Yeah, and, you know, I would say that her star is shining brighter than his at the moment, although I hear he does a lot of painting these days. Uh, I do, yeah, I actually just watched something, uh, some sort of, like, pseudo 10-minute documentary um, about his paintings and his process and stuff. When you say pseudo 10-minute documentary, is it kind of like it's 10 minutes long, but not quite 10 minutes long? (laughs) No, it's a pseudo documentary. Uh, that may or may not be six to ten minutes long. Okay, so it, do- it doesn't alter your perception of time. It alters your perception of the actor Jim Carrey. <laughs> the, yeah, correct. The documentary doesn't alter my perception of time, but his paintings might. Uh, so, so Jim Carrey uh, went from acting to painting. Mm-hmm. George W. Bush went from being president to painting. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the next famous person to make the jump to painting? Oh, wow. Um, John Cena. John Cena. That... He he bursts through the canvas and <laughs> yeah. the song and the song plays because he's going from wrestling into comedy. Uh, pretty soon, you're gonna you know hit all of those entertainment uh, uh, realms. You know you're gonna you're, that star is gonna burn by the time he's fifty and his you know muscles kind of go away. <laughs> uh, although those people like. I would assume The Rock is going to be muscular, just like Arnold, well into his 70s, the, the, 80s. The Rock is like 46 years old, yeah. also. He's... It's true, yeah. Looking pretty good still. Well, and so is Arnold. I mean, yeah. we, this is an interesting time to live. <laughs> because... Yeah. Because because the bodybuilders are aging. That's an well, interesting thing. we've never been... We've never had pop culture icons to the, their size before... True. ...live to the age that they're living. Yeah, I want to say Andre the Giant, but also he died pretty young, didn't he? And but he also was just naturally massive. He wasn't like he didn't he wasn't Mister Universe. He didn't like build a physique for himself. Yeah, I guess he, he was, was just a giant who who liked to party and drink like thirty PBRs at a time. <laughs> right? Yeah, and he he lived to a pretty ripe old age for a wrestler. Yeah, uh, I think he was uh, nearing 60, 60, if not past sixties, when he passed. Okay, okay. Do you think? 
Now with all these actors and comedians and presidents becoming painters, do you think that Picasso went through a period where he appeared in, like, doofy comedy movies <laughs> and, and did stand-up sets? Oh my god, uh, I can only imagine what his segment on Fallon would look like. <laughs> I, I picture him kind of going up there and going like, hey, so you guys, uh, you guys know the human form? <laughs> Oof. Gotta deconstruct that into its composite geometric shapes, you know? Am I right? Am I right? Cubism? <laughs> Cubism? <laughs> oh, oh, well... Do you want to talk about the TV show now? Because I feel like I'm really dying with my with my art jokes. Uh, yeah, let's. I'll give you a uh, quick synopsis of this fantastic yeah. episode that we watched. Yeah. Um, which the title of is um, called, yeah. or do you want to guess what it is? Based on here, let me. Here, we'll do this. Yeah. I'll read you the synopsis, and based on having watched oh. the episode, try and guess ish the title. Th- this is great, and we should do this every time. Go. Okay. Uh, so here's a synopsis that. <clears throat> Jill has moved her pottery wheel uh, from the basement into the garage in order to better channel her creative energy. And this comes to the chagrin of Tim, who claims that the garage is his domain, man's domain. Uh, this quickly, uh, the argument arises over whose time and interests are more important, and Jill attempts to schedule uh, time blocks for each of them to occupy the garage at separate uh, moments. Meanwhile, on tool time... Uh, Al has kind of become disgruntled over Tim's constant joking and making fun of him. At long last. (laughs) Finally. Uh, And uh, he claims that anyone can do what Tim does. And Tim, a little wounded by this and a little defensive, uh, poses that on the next episode, they switch positions where Al will host and Tim will be his assistant. A little switcheroo. (laughs) Uh, So that's the, like, thrust of the episode, our two A-plot, B-plots. Oh, man. Uh, I think that the episode is called... Mm, all I can think of are jokes about pot. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good at this game, even though I think it's good. Uh, I don't know. I give up in the interest of not having 20 minutes of dead air while I try and think of something. Uh, it's called A Battle of Wheels. A Battle of Wheels. Pottery Wheel. Yes. Battle, and like wills, battle of wills. That's totally what it's going to be because it's the whole episode's about Tim and Al battling their wills against each other. Jill and Tim battling. Okay, but so this, it's a really bad play on words. Well, yeah, but so there's not, there's not, there's not more than one wheel though. It's not like there was a wheel in the Tim and Al B plot, right? They're... Uh, no, you're right because they do okay. doors and molding. So it's just, so it's really a battle of wheel. <laughs> Yes. It, you know what would be better would be if there were two characters in this episode called mm-hmm. Will who had a battle, and you could just call it a battle of wills. <laughs> There's, take all of the Commandos stuff and just put that in as your C-plot. That was a failed NBC pilot. Pro- probably. Well, that was that was their, their Will Forte, Will Arnett project. Oh, my God. Never, never got off the ground. <laughs> I, I would invest in seeing that. I, as would I. Uh, so <laughs> what did you think of this episode? You said you enjoyed it? Uh, I loved it. I actually, I, I got to be completely honest. I was feeling a little dismayed after the last week's episode. Uh, I was not a big fan of it. Uh, it had its moments, but overall it was really kind of like, oh, I hope this isn't where they're heading. Yeah. Um, and it, it bounced back in a big way for me. I, I will say, actually, speaking of last week's episode, which, of course, was the, the saga of the stinky, and I, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm dwelling right. on the sandwich. There was a lot of other no, sorry, things. You texted it's... me this week and said, 
I gotta be honest, I'm really craving a stinky right now. <laughs> Which, again, out of context, sounds real bad. It sounds like I'm propositioning you for something terrible. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the Ernest Borgnine mm-hmm. and, uh, the, with the eye. Jackalom, yeah. Yeah, Jackalom episode. I will say, I've been thinking about with that episode eye. a lot with the, I, that's just. <laughs> that's what he was known for. He played it. In my memory, I have reevaluated last week's episode. We mm-hmm. were both pretty harsh on it. I feel a little better about that episode now purely because the one bit that I remember is probably the funniest bit from the episode is where Tim gets next to Ernest Borgnine and says, look, this is the face of the guy who was putting the bumper on your car and then he gets next to Jack Alam and yeah. this is the guy who was aligning your headlights and Jack Alam <laughs> does that look. And that just that one moment yeah. when that's all that I remember from the episode in my head, it's like, that was a solid joke. Yeah. They made good use of that character actor for that one bit. So, And you know what? That's what he made his whole career on, uh, or I should say post-heavy uh, career when yeah. he was playing like the goons and the westerns and the film noirs. Yeah. Like he, you know, you mentioned Cannibal Run. We're not talking about last week's episode. We're talking about this week. So yeah, yes. you had more reverence for last week. How does it compare to this week? Well, I like this week's episode more than last week's as well. Uh, I think I thought this episode was very funny. I thought this episode uh, is really uh, so much at the beginning of the podcast, uh, at the beginning of our season, that mm-hmm. is. I would talk about how why, why aren't they incorporating Al and home improvement more into these episodes and having the you know the a plot be at home and the b plot be on the show, and they're they're doing that. Vice versa, and, and, right. yeah, and they're and they're <laughs> using it the way that I wanted to see it. So I thought this was a funny episode. This is a solid episode. I enjoyed it. I, I had just logical issues. The episode stops. It doesn't end. Yeah. Like Tim and Al's con. Tim and Al. Tim and Jill. Tim and Al's conflict resolves itself very elegantly, and Tim and Jill's conflict uh, just sort of sort of turns into nothing, and they have sex. Yes, For- and I, I did take issue with that, and took note of like. Nothing got solved there. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah, Jill, Jill unless, just... Unless is the, the lesson to be learned, you can mend over many um, minor disagreements in marriage with sex. I, mm, if you could, <laughs> I feel like the divorce rate would be a little bit lower than it is. <laughs> so my, my issue here, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get at it, yeah. is that, so Jill has the pottery wheel in the garage because she wants a place to do pottery, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Tim is saying, well, this is my, this is the garage. This is where I build stuff. Why don't you go somewhere else? And this is their whole fight for the first time. I think in the series, I'm actually on Tim's side. I Jill is being, I'm and team Jill here, but Jill is being real unreasonable for this whole episode. Yeah. I don't know that I would necessarily, I want to hear your, your argument for that, but I, I am agreeing with you on the surface that I am on team Tim here, especially once it's revealed the reason why. She's getting into pottery, which yeah. is revealed that she she's – so Wilson's advice uh, leads Tim to think, oh, um, she moved the pottery wheel into the garage to cultivate more intimacy between us, to be near me. And she reveals, no, that's the exact opposite. I want time to myself where I don't think about you and the kids and cleaning and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, that seems completely counterintuitive because you are moving it into the place that Tim – is almost exclusively on the show. You know, Landon, I'm just, I'm so sick of the hustle and the bustle of the big city. I just want to get away from it all. I'm going to go to New York City and <laughs> camp out in Times Square. <laughs> and what the fuck are all these other people doing here? This is so horrible. They're being so mean by being here in this space. That is my, yeah. that is that, I don't know if you saw what I did there. 
Did you get? Yeah, there's a Chris Christie joke to be made, but uh... Uh, true, true. <laughs> I'm <laughs> <Yes>. gonna abstain. <laughs> there, well, there's always a Chris Christie joke for every situation. <laughs> yeah, that she that she goes to the place where Tim always is to try mm-hmm. and get away from Tim, and also she that, that there's a point in the episode where they they try they try and both do their thing in the garage. Tim tries to accommodate yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. They talk in this this opening scene about like okay. Tim kind of acquiesces because she says, if I'm ever bothering you, just tell me and I'll move. Yeah. And he kind of goes, okay, fine. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah. And they kind of try to do their own thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, and so Jill is trying to do her pottery and then Tim starts welding and then Jill turns on, oh no, opera of all things to drown <laughs> out the welding, which Tim cannot abide. It's one of my favorite reactions when he looks it, up real fast with the welder's yeah, mask on. Yeah, yeah, he's He's so upset by, by this <laughs> opera. Again... I've never met in my life a person who is as enthusiastic about opera as Jill. She is more into opera than Frasier is, Listen, I'm pretty sure. I love me some opera, and I love me some classical music. I don't know enough about it to brag about it, which I think is the perfect balance to go, you know, I'm into it, but I can't name any of it, thus I can't be pretentious about it. Well, and yeah, I, and I'm on both sides, because I don't, I can't really name any opera either, but also, the opera that she was playing was like, oh, okay, that sounds nice, that guy's a good singer, I don't yeah. know if that's Puccini or whoever that, no, wait, <laughs> he was a composer, well, whatever. I also think there's a pasta. It's a pasta? <laughs> Maybe so. Just I'm, a little fettuccine of Puccini. Hey, hey, about the bing, hey, what's the racist as stereotypes? A, uh, as an Italian, I take offense to that. Ah, well, uh, Sicilian, even, even worse. <laughs> Going to uh, end up wearing some uh, concrete shoes. If you can find someone to pour the concrete. Just pile on the, the offensiveness. Why don't you make a, a delicious pizza and also foster a really advanced maritime trading culture uh, that has cultural influence on the world to this day and make some great art while you're at it. Uh, so she's listening to, like, I don't find, op- like, I don't seek out opera and yeah. listen to it, but I also don't find it actively painful and offensive the way Tim does. Yeah. But they, so they both try and cohabit the space and work there. That doesn't do it for them. And then Tim says, Tim says to Jill, well, I, okay, you said that if you were bothering me, I could tell you to leave. You're bothering me. And she says, no, I'm not bothering you. No. And so mm-hmm. she just refuses on that level. So she goes back on the original deal. Then she makes a uh, time chart for who can use the garage when, which is like, okay, seems like a reasonable compromise. Yeah. Well, this should be said that uh, she does that after Tim accidentally uh, messes up the bowl that she made that she had explicitly stated that she was proud of because yeah. the first thing that she got to stand upright. Yes. Uh, and granted, when it happened, I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. When he, when he, you know, put his hand through the side of it, it was yeah. just like, oh, no. I didn't know how I felt, like, whose side I was on in that moment. Not that I need to take sides. It just was like a, ooh. Well, but she got kind of butthurt about this and then went off to yeah. um, uh, make to this... The- Seating chart, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And also, when when Jill is first introducing that that pot, you know, Tim comes into the into the garage and and she points it out to him. And says, "This is the first thing I've ever gotten to stand upright." I'm like, boner joke, guys. You were just <laughs> making sex and boner yeah. jokes. There was a fair number of pretty pretty wicked double entendres in oh, this yes. episode, and they just. That one just flew right over the plate. Maybe maybe the censors only allowed a certain amount uh, per episode. (laughs) There was just a big chunk of dead air where they had to cut out the reaction. (laughs) Uh, But she makes this chart for who can use the garage when, but then Tim quickly points out that she's the only person on it. She hasn't Mm -hmm. put Tim on it except, like, when he's at work or in the middle of the night. And it's like, well, okay, Jill, you're being purposefully antagonistic now. You're creating this thing for shared use and then not granting Tim any time. And it's like, 
it, it it's it upsets me. Well, as much as one can get upset about something that happened <laughs> on a fictional TV show that's yeah. designed for comedy purposes, but it's like the, the the garage has always been Tim's space, and I yeah. don't think that should really be a matter of debate. All of his tools are in there. He does the car stuff in there. I'm pretty sure in previous episodes, Jill has acknowledged that the garage is his space. Well, let's let's crack this open a little bit here because yeah. I do think that this, even though they don't go too deep into it, um, <clears throat> just surface level, man's domain versus woman's domain. Uh, the garage. I mean, outside of the basis of the show, which is pretty explicitly stated, this is Tim's domain. Yeah. Does that give him free reign over that? Because the only other objects outside of his tools and the car frame in that garage are the washer and dryer. I, look, I don't, I, the man's domain, woman's domain, I don't buy into that. What I do buy into is that in probably half the episodes we've watched, if not more, mm-hmm. it starts with Tim in the garage doing Tim's stuff. Right. He's laid claim to that area by virtue of just him being him. Yeah. It's like if Tim, if one episode starts and Jill goes into her nice new bathroom that Tim built and Tim has a hot rod chassis up there and is welding... <laughs> and then Tim's like, what? What? What are you talking about? This yeah. is what? This is a normal thing to do here. I, it's like Jill, ha- Jill has spaces in the house. And I, I, I don't think she does, though. And I think that's, that's her point initially. Because she's like, where am I supposed to go that I'm not going to be cleaning or running into the kids? How about you get into your tub with the Who Needs a Man setting on the jacuzzi jets? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but she wants, she wants to express herself through pottery and creativity like where where would she go? Here, okay, here's here's the solution to that. At okay. the beginning, Tim, like the I guess the original arrangement they'd had with the pottery wheel was that it would go in the basement, but Joel yeah. doesn't want to be down there because it's dank and musty and has bugs. Has bugs, bugs. as she says, which well, I love that delivery. And that's also that that is reason enough for me to not go to a place as if it has bugs. <laughs> but if if I were in that situation and I didn't have a I didn't want to put my pottery wheel in the basement, yeah. I would tell my husband who who is who I constantly have to tell not to add things to the house and build shit. <laughs> I tell him, hey, renovate the basement. Build a little build build a section down there where I can work so I won't be up in your Kool-Aid mm. in the garage. It seems like there are there are a lot of I don't know. I, I just this is <laughs> it seems like there's another solution to this problem that's right yeah. that's right under their noses. I and I mean, I understand Jill's position here. I do think she's being antagonistic and a little unreasonable uh, in terms of discussing it uh, and being a little more clear with her intent. Um, and I do think that they could have found a solution, you know, through communication a little bit more rather than her just, hey, I'm here. Deal with it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I do think that uh, – it is a little unfair to for Tim to go, this is my domain, you aren't allowed here. Oh, and I don't even think he's saying you're not allowed here. It's just, like, it's he's not saying you can't come in here and, and see. It's that you can't set this up as yeah. your core. Like, I pursue my passion here. You can't set up your passion project in my same space. It's yeah. like... If you're doing your web design stuff and then I just show up in the apartment with my laptop and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna play XCOM 2 and try to write a screenplay sitting right next to you. I hope yeah. this doesn't throw off your jazz. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I get it. I, th- I do get it. Landon, um, let's not get married. I'm s- I know we've been talking about it, but <laughs> oh it, I don't God, think it works. You just broke my heart on air. Well, I, I, I know, man. It, look, it, it's going to be tough for me, too. The tax situation would be vastly improved. So the, the end result of, of this 
you know, they, they go back and forth on whether or not, you know, who's going to use the garage for mm-hmm. what. The schedule uh, is a bust. Yeah. And finally... I don't think the, the schedule was ever intended to actually be a solution. Because Jill, you know, uh, at one point Tim goes, I see you scheduled me from uh, 12 p.m. or uh, 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's when we sleep together. And she goes, you're finally getting it. Uh, which meant, to me, I took that as like a, you're sleeping on the couch joke. I, I took that as a, I don't want to have sex with you joke. Well, both, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose <laughs> one and the same. But so she's obviously not being rational about it, purely to intend to um, you know, use the, the timetable to, to keep him out of out of the, the gar- argument. Uh, yeah, and out of the garage where all of his stuff already is. Yeah. But the, they get to the point where Tim goes outside to discuss this with Wilson. Yeah. Wilson, oh Wilson, <laughs> Wilson is painting a self-portrait of himself. Uh, well, for, first Wilson yes. Wilson says, I'm painting a self-portrait, and Tim says, who's it of? <laughs> Which is a, kind of a great line, I uh, like that. Yeah, it's also kind of a new level of dumb for Tim. It's not even not <laughs> yeah. understanding a big word, it's not understanding a fairly basic artistic yeah. concept. <laughs> uh, but So then Tim asks to see it, and so Wilson picks it up and yeah. shows him... The painting over the fence, where, uh, believe it or not, he's only finished the top half of his face. <laughs> you know, and at this moment, and I this plays into the Tool Time segments, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, this episode for me, in really in particular, showed the awareness of their success. Yes. That they started playing with their own tropes and yes. being aware of themselves and getting a little meta in a, in a weird way. Which I think is what made it such a good episode in spite of the kind yeah. of plot structure gripes. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and the, the first time that it kind of acknowledged, that I acknowledged it was this Wilson holding up his portrait where it's just was like, of course he didn't do the bottom half of the portrait yet. Yeah, I was at first thinking that he would just hold it up just over the fence enough that all you could see is the top of his face. But this version <laughs> was even better. Uh, and maybe it should be uh, said that uh, in the credits of this, we we get the painter's name, which was Sally Storch, had written, uh, yeah, you know, I, signed it. Yeah. She's an actual artist. Oh, a full-blown artist. <laughs> you can go to sallystorch.com. Uh, she has a real Edward Hopper feel to her. Oh, Edward Hopper is one of my favorite artists. Likewise. Um, oh, we both, we both like the same 20th century American realists. That's so great. <laughs> uh, you know what? Wedding's back on. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, actually a lot of her stuff is pretty interesting to look at. Um, I don't know if she's still alive or not, but... Uh, it, wait, is the Wilson painting on there? Is it completed? Is this how we find out the full face of Wilson? <laughs> um it, well, I, you know, actually, I hope it's not on there because it, I think that uh, uh, creating an image of Wilson is actually against Wilsonism. <laughs> Although I will say I'm just going through the Google images right now of all of her work and the image of Wilson that she painted for this episode is not even near the top at all. I don't see it anywhere. Well, so not I, one of her most popular. <laughs> well, I suppose if you're if you're a full blown artist with a full career, the one painting you did as a prop for a sitcom thirty years ago probably isn't at the top of your <laughs> at the top of your, your list of achievements. I, I want that painting though. I don't know who has it. But that, uh, that would be a good thing to yeah, have. I bet John Pasquin maybe has it or maybe they gave it to Earl Hinman and his uh his Family has it somewhere. Internet, make this happen for us. We're not <laughs> going to do the any print. more. At least the print. I, it seems like it would make sense to sell that. <laughs> uh, so when Tim goes out and is explaining what's going on, he says to Wilson, oh, well, Jill's trying to take over the garage. And Wilson goes, ah, a coupe de garage. <laughs> Which, 
a coup de a coup de garage. Yeah, I was gonna say coup I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna correct your French there, but uh, well, well, hey, I was reading it off the page. <laughs> what do you expect me to 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 know how to pronounce French? Uh, also, Tim is making a sports car, which could be considered a coupe oh, in wow. the garage. Hey, maybe this is a, a wordplay future episode. Yeah, actually, oh god, they probably, they probably are going to recycle yeah. that one. <laughs> okay, so a coup de garage. Yeah. I should have, I should just edit that out so I sound smarter than I am. Uh, but, so he gets this advice from Wilson. That, you know, Wilson, do you remember exactly how it is Wilson phrases what he says, or like what um, his... Not, not in this scene. I do in the, the second part of this scene. Yeah, the, 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 the baller ending. Yeah, but, but he, he recites a, like a very beautiful poem. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or is that in the second, that might have been the second scene as well, but it, it, he basically says that he gives this idea that, uh, women are trying to cultivate intimacy and connection between, uh, people while, you know, men aren't that way necessarily. So yeah, men are territorial. Yeah, men, exactly. Men are territorial. Women try to cultivate connection and intimacy. And Tim kind of interprets this as, oh, I get it. I see exactly what you mean. She moved the thing, her powdery wheel into the garage to be closer to me. And that's, um. Uh, that's that's the reason here. So yeah, and so then he goes straight inside and finds Jill yeah. and explains to her like Jill seems pretty pissed off at him when he gets in there. Yeah, and he says Jill, I understand it, and she says, "Good, I'm glad you finally understand something." <laughs> and he goes on this whole thing to her about yeah. how oh you're you know you're trying to be you want intimacy with me you want mm-hmm. to be closer to me I get it I understand and she says no Tim it's the opposite I want less of you like we said I want to be away from you and. And this is where it just falls apart because she's saying, I want to be, I don't want to be around you all the time. And then she kind of starts walking closer to him and getting sultry voice and saying, so then when we are together, we can enjoy the time that we have together yeah, even more. It was a weird uh, pivot there. Yeah. And, and she's saying, you know, like right now, the boys are off at the park. We're all alone in the house. No one's scheduled on the timetable for the next hour block. Yeah. And then. Tim goes, oh, you know, well, she says, so what do you want to do? And Tim goes, I want to work on the hot rod. And he runs into the garage and shuts the door. And then he opens it and pulls Jill inside a second yeah. later. And so my problem with this, which is fairly, I guess, it, pretty clear, Jill was angry at him. Tim has misunderstood the source of her anger. Then Jill wants to have sex with him. And then everything is okay. They haven't addressed the right. issue of the fact that they can't share the space they haven't addressed the issue of where is she going to put it. They haven't addressed the fact that, oh, she Jill is feeling so overwhelmed by family and her husband that she's losing a sense of herself, which is a real issue. That's all kind of, like, Jill has real problems and stuff that is causing her to act out in an irrational way that needs to be dealt with. And instead, she just has sex with Tim and everything's cool. Yeah. It's like the, the writers the writers got the episode to this point and then said, oh, yeah, well, 22 minutes. I guess she's horny. <laughs> I, yeah, it is. It, it does feel – I mean, okay, so I don't know if this is apropos of anything, but this was – the writer of this episode was a woman. So – Well? Uh, I That is kind of going to play to the point that – I don't feel like it's total misogyny in that it was just like a bunch of white male dudes going, okay, the wife is horny, everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's possible for, for women to write a lazy ending to a... <laughs> to Actually, yeah, I know it's possible it's all... for women to write lazy endings, too. It's not like women are naturally good writers. I mean, any you know, everybody can write everyone's, a bad script. Everyone's equal in their... Uh... Yeah, Laziness. yeah, you know, yeah. Writing, writing, uh, writing bad scripts is something all of us can do. And also, this wasn't a bad script. So who, no, who, this is a great episode. Who am I insulting? What's wrong but with I, me? I totally empathize. don't marry me, Landon. I'm too negative. 
<laughs> I empathize with your your point here in that it was just kind of a, a non-ending. I'm frustrated more than anything because the B plot, which we're about to touch on, is so mm-hmm. good. And this A plot had a lot of potential and I mm-hmm. wanted to see a resolution. Like I was wondering like, okay, where are they going to move the pottery wheel? How are yeah. they going to accommodate this? This new, like, okay, Jill has a new interest in her life. I want to see what happens with it. And it's, it's just, they kind of just wrung it out for some laughs of trying to have them use the same space. Yeah. And, uh, then to, to quote boogie nights, everybody fucks their brains out and, uh, we go home happy. <laughs> I, I think that in, in my opinion, that the, Strength would have come had they switched the perspective of A plot and B plot. If the the through line was the tool time stuff and the home stuff was the kind of side issue, um, a lot of this would have been resolved and I would have been able to accept this ending with Tim and Jill a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was, we've mentioned the B plot a few... Well, actually, wait, no, we have to first... I think Wilson's ending line we both really <laughs> cracked up at was one of his best ones. Yeah. So he goes back out to talk to Wilson. Yeah, well, and just to kind of wrap up the the first Wilson scene, Tim gets real excited about this advice and kind of runs off before Wilson can stop him. Not that Wilson makes much of an effort. He just kind of goes, hmm. I mean, kind of like smiles and goes, eh, What am I going to do, leave this side of the fence? <laughs> Um, so when Tim comes back out and, uh, kind of explains to Wilson, like, hey, what, you led me astray there. What was, you know, she wasn't looking for that at all. She wanted alone time. And Wilson, uh, says, you know, Tim, sometimes it's not too good, too good to get me too early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and that's the last line. And then it's just Carmen Finestra comes out, which I, I really thought, I thought was great. That was just, that I think is the most, uh, indicative of the show knowing how successful it is and mm-hmm. playing on itself like oh yeah wilson's wrong sometimes even god is fallible <laughs> even god isn't a morning person uh yeah i think you know I, that was just one of my favorite lines of the episode yeah uh and a great i think turn on wilson's character that we haven't seen before where it's oh, just like he's always this all-knowing a little righteous character that uh can finally yeah as you said be fallible yeah um i'm just gonna repeat what you said I think it's good. I've been doing I've been doing that with you for a while. Sooner or later, the show is going to just be a Mobius strip of us just saying the same things back and forth to each other, and then and then all the listeners can make their own podcasts where they repeat what we say, and it's sort of like invasion of the body snatchers, oh, and there's God. no more original content, and and the thing that we're repeating is just a grunt. Uh, speaking of yes. grunt, grunt count, yeah, for this take episode. us through the grunt count because I I was what I've been doing while watching is I know you this is the grunt count is kind of your thing and. I'm just interested. You're doing pottery while I'm doing my grunt count. <laughs> Somehow we make sharing a couch work. When you don't play your opera music, at least. <laughs> um, but what I've taken joy in is watching the grunts occur and then kind of absorbing your process for how to Ooh. count them. Because they, they become, they're starting to become these very ambiguous <laughs> yeah. forms of communication. Yeah, and there was even, there was even one tonight that, that, uh, you know, I was on the fence about a couple of them, not not so much because they were, uh, because I wasn't sure if it was one grunt or two grunts, but I didn't know if they rose to the level of grunts because sometimes Tim goes, uh, and sometimes Tim goes, and they're two different things. They are very different things. Yeah. So so occasionally a contemplative noise, I, I will deem it not to rise to the level of a grunt. Okay. The, the point is this episode in which, might I add, Jill grunts before Tim does. Yeah. Uh, this, and also Al... <laughs> We'll get to it in a second. Al Al tries to grunt, and it's the best thing on earth. And I didn't count it because I'm only counting Tim grunts. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. 
bags and bags of mail, people asking me why I'm not counting the other grunts. It's only Tim's. <laughs> Tim grunted 16 times in this episode. Oh, this seems like a magic number. I 16? feel like more than any other number, we've had 16 grunts uh, throughout this series. So I th- the, the most common number is usually 7 or 8, but 60, if, it, if it goes over 10, then it yeah. is usually in the neighborhood of 16. And I'll tell you, the reason why is because Tim's grunts usually come in packs of three or packs of five. Oh. He either, he'll be talking about... mathematical. I, I, and I, no one is more shocked than I am that I'm the one who figured this out. <laughs> but he, he will be... There'll usually be a pack of three when Tim is talking, usually on pool time, or he's talking mm-hmm. to someone else, and he's describing a, a list of things. It's like, oh, this new chassis with the this and the this and this. And rah, rah, rah. Right. And then... Well, he has a very specific one, which has the five, which I noticed in this episode, which is... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's another one where it's pretty much its own sentence, almost. One of them is... The three grunts cap a sentence, and then the five grunts or more are kind of their own... Almost their own separate idea. If not not their own sentence, at least their own independent clause in a (laughs) sentence. Now we're grunt grammar and grunt math. This is more work than I expected. Uh, But... He... Grunt homework. Grunt... <laughs> well, I hope we get Grunt extra credit for how much we're doing tonight. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, f- I find that, yeah, they, they usually... So, because they normally come in multiples of three or five, yeah. that kind of gets you to, oh, there were six in this episode. Yeah, or, yeah. And sometimes we hit seven because he will do... Or so he'll just do a single one on Got its it. own, which is usually in conversation with Wilson. Right. And then, but then occasionally there's wild cards like Christmas where he grunts an entire song and we get into the grunt stratosphere. Yeah, the 55 that we had that time. If we ever top that, and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if we do. I mean, it's season <laughs> one and the grunts are only going to... If the... If, if the the escalation with these transitions is yeah. any indicator, it's only going to get wilder. <laughs> we well, I, before we move on from the grunt count, I do want to say um, I didn't notice this until we were putting the show notes together. But um, we had a golden episode where it was sixteen grunts for episode sixteen. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I feel like we it was pretty unceremonious, but we should do I, something in the future. I know we we should get episode sixteen something really nice for its next birthday. <laughs> Take it out to dinner. Let her let it know it's special. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll get twenty two episodes, twenty two grunts next episode. Yeah, maybe screwed up that joke. <laughs> Actually, well, and a quick note on transitions. Let's, yeah. Okay. Let's to, go into the to transition to the B plot. Let's I, talk about no, transitions. because I did have a note on the transitions in this one because I think we. I mean, we went on a tirade about the transitions in the last episode. La- last episode, I and I stand by that tirade. Last episode was too far. <laughs> I think Carmen Finestra knows it. I think everybody knows it because this one was. Way calmer. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like you know somebody at ABC called them and was like, "Hey guys, you got a ton- that opera singer thing too much. Just back." I'm what like, was that milk? I don't. I, I totally regret hiring Salvador Dali <laughs> to do. <laughs> we should we should have just gone with Picasso to do some stand up during the episode. It was far better. <laughs> we only want cubists, not surrealists. So. The transitions in this one, let's see, there's one where it turns into some clay, yeah. like the screen, which that's... It was, it was totally fine, only in that it was so succinct. It yeah. just went... Whoop. Yeah, and that's fine. You know what, that, that's the show doing what it needs to do. It didn't invade mm-hmm. the next scene. And then there was another one that I noticed, which is, it was odd. It was a transition from one tool time scene. It was a time jump, basically, from one tool time scene to, like, after tool time. Yes, right. Where the the image on screen flies away, flies into the background on tool time, goes away, but then we see someone pushing a monitor past, and it has the image composited onto the monitor. 
Which oh, I didn't see that. I only noticed it because you know how on TV when they composite an image onto a TV screen, you just can see it. You yeah. can know it, it jumped out at me that they had the previous scene. Which, in a way, I guess I liked it because it almost makes sense. Like, yeah, of course the monitor that the crew members are pushing away after the show would be playing what they'd recorded on the show earlier. In some weird logic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense necessarily, but it also didn't... Like, there's plenty of these timelines in episodes where Tim is on set and then home and then on yeah, set and yeah. home. Uh, but yeah, so I had I, I give I give these transitions a solid one-thumb neutral. I didn't <laughs> love them, didn't hate them. Uh, I, I definitely felt a little reprieve after last week's episode where it was just, it was too much. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, being inundated with Ink's wife on the slip and slide. I mean, they were getting a little out of hand, so I do like the restraint. I, I'll give them props for, uh, the creative constraints that they've implied here. Well, and, 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 you know, I think we can agree that yes, they have, they have shown restraint, but and the transitions will rise again. We can never let our guard down. We must be ever vigilant. <laughs> there will be a sequel. We must redouble our grunt work. Uh, so the 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 B plot of yeah. this episode, which takes up almost as much time as the A. Plot, yeah, I'd say it's pretty balanced. Yeah, this is like a, this is like an A point five plot. So I guess this is the halfway point in our episode. Yeah, I, I, of our episode. Yeah, fifty one minutes in. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Uh, we really should have, yeah, we really should have talked about the thing we liked first. Uh, so Tim and Al finally reach a breaking point of sorts. Uh, they're on set in their first tool time segment. They're recording, yeah. yeah. They're on air and Tim is, you know, just like in every other episode, kind of giving Al some guff. Uh, they had put together some drawers and Tim opens one of the, the top drawer, which comes flying out and almost hits a, a crew member who yeah. picks it up off the ground. The crew member, might I add, like, he pulls, he yanks the thing out to show, like, mm-hmm. oh, but you've got the stop put into it. And he yeah. pulls it out and it flies out and it bounces off the ground once and the camera tracks it and a crew member basically catches it. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then Tim goes into this thing, like, Al's my assistant. You're supposed to check my work. You were supposed to put the, the stopper in there. Al's like, no, you were supposed to put the stopper in there. He's like, well, what are you here to do if not to uh, double check everything that I do to make sure that it's – so this is on you. This is your fault. Uh, and he continues to make a few other jokes, and it's kind of just Al's breaking point. Yes. Um, the the Being the cos- consummate uh, professional that Al is – Waits till the episode and the recording's over. Yeah, he doesn't air his his personal garbage on the air because yeah. he's good at his job. Yeah, exactly. And but then that's where we get that transition, and then we're at tool time after dark. Yeah, <laughs> after hours. Um, Saxophone riff. Gonna edit that in right here. <laughs> uh, David Duchovny walks on. It's so weird. Um, uh, anyhow, so. Tim can kind of uh, tell that something's up with Al. He's in a mood. And, and and he even asks him what's wrong, and Al says, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Which, the, there's something to be said there about um, sensitivity and, and I think gender a little bit there. Like Oh, a, a lot bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we, we spent enough time on gender divide in this episode. but And this show generally. Yeah, we don't, yeah. Need, to, we don't need to hit that. I but. think we'll, we'll come to it again, but... Um, I do really enjoy uh, Richard Carn's performance through this, and so and how he embraces some of the things of Al. Yeah, like uh, once he starts getting real riled up, Tim's yeah. like, "Are you going to cry?" And he's like, <laughs> "I might." <laughs> it, it, it delivered with such sincerity. Yeah, I, I think that that Al play uh, the way he plays the way that uh, that Richard Carn plays Al is uh, again. I say ahead of its time a lot, mm-hmm. but he. Nowadays, it's more common for a guy to be in touch with his emotions and acknowledge, like, yeah, I might cry. Like, yeah, you hurt my feelings. 
in the 90s, and especially in a masculine, testosterone-charged right. environment like this one, for like Al is not ashamed of his feelings. He's yeah. not ashamed to feel this way. He's not trying to hide it. Yeah. And he, he's, he knows who he is. He's confident in who he is, and he's not afraid to admit that he's hurt. Now, I, this is the first episode. This is a little bit of trivia. Um, <clears throat> before Richard Karn was uh, committed to the part of Al, uh, the one of the actors that were slated to play Tim's assistant, uh, in, in not an Al character, but a different character, was uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, um, who we know from Groundhog Day, from Silicon Valley. Uh, this is the first episode that I could actually see him uh, playing a an assistant to Al, or uh, assistant to Tim, because mm-hmm. I could see him pulling off this kind of uh, counter-masculine uh, character. Yeah. Um, I could see Stephen Tobolowsky nailing that I might cry yeah. line with the sincerity that Richard Karn does, but obviously not in the special way. I think Richard Karn is just such a incarnate oh, of his character. That's a, uh, that, that, that right there, that is a pun for the ages. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're having, they're having this fight and really, you know, this, this is funny. This, all this stuff is gold yeah. and uh, partially just because they're finally litigating the stuff that we've been asking the whole time. Where, where Al is, is saying, you know, Al is just criticizing Tim for making a mockery of home improvement. Right. And Tim, in turn, mocks Al for using the word mockery because apparently <laughs> that's just way too big for for Tim's lexicon. Yeah. God help him when Whose Line Is Anyway comes on the air and Colin Mockery is a standout <laughs> improv star. But for what it's worth, the way that, uh, Al, uh, that Tim kind of <laughs> calls out Al's use of the word mockery really cracked me up. Al says something like, how hard can it be to just uh, to make dumb jokes and screw up all the time? Right. And and uh, Tim says, you don't think that's all I do on here. And Al says, I do, and so do most of your viewers, which seems to call into the fact that... Yeah. Also, for, you know, Al is upset that Tim has been insulting him and, and belittling him mm-hmm. on the air. But also, Al has to know that everyone likes him. Like, the, the whole crowd was chanting his name, like, right. three episodes. Well, and One I episode think that... ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's what what he's calling to here is he's like, everyone thinks you're a joke and everyone loves me. That's why I think I can do your job. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it to make a joke and screw up? Uh, It's not very hard at all. I can do it. And so this is where Tim kind of poses the, the challenge. He's like, all right. I mean, that, that statement of like your audience thinks so too is the one that really wounds Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And Tim's like, all right, fine. We're going to do this. Yeah. Next episode you're going to host and I'm going to be your assistant. And I, and this is just great. This is exactly what I've been waiting yeah. to see. I wanted to see the role reversal. And I think, again, to your point, this mm-hmm. is the this is the show saying, okay, we know these characters well enough. People yeah. like what we're doing. People like our characters. Let's really play with it. Yeah. I mean, this is really the episode where Kramer starts to slide in through the door. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they understand what makes the show funny. They understand the dynamics and they understand each character in such a way that they can play with it. And... F- Honestly, it's the first time that it really got me that, like, tickly. Like, yes. this next scene where Al becomes the host at Tool Time, I was just, like, giddy because I, I wanted to see what they're going to do with the situation. I didn't write down a lot of notes for that scene because it was just too, I couldn't look away from it. It was too good. Yeah, and this is – it gave me hope for the future seasons of the show because I'm like, this I, – I want this to be what I love about the show. Oh, and sure. I, I think – that it is, and I needed this reminder. And this is also what we were crying out for in early episodes, where it's like, use Al more. Yeah. This is what he's capable of. 
But so you know, the, it cuts to to the home improvement set, and Lisa He's is introducing a, them. A half-assed intro because I th- maybe it's just a more confused intro yeah. than anything. She's probably told like five seconds before, like, "Okay, yeah. here's the deal: Tim's going to be the assistant, <laughs> Al's going to be the host." And she's like, "Okay, everybody, know what time it is?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she so she says, you know, she's doing the introduction, and Al runs out early, wearing like wearing like he's dressed like Tim. He's got like the the whole, kind of. the, the yeah, like the blue shirt and the tie and a yeah hat. but they're clearly his own clothes from jc Penney's in the 70s <laughs> i mean they're like a little too form-fitting it's almost a butterfly collar it's like a weird printed shirt it's a clip-on tie clip-on tie and he's wearing one of the tool time hats so he runs out runs back <laughs> runs out again and tim is wearing flannel and has a, like they, they've, yeah. they've swapped tool belts also yeah. which i'm not sure i understand but uh, so they come out, and Al is just so bad at hosting, and it's hilariously bad. It is every single second of this scene just was my favorite. It's easily leaps yeah. and bounds my favorite scene of the the series so he, far. He's got. Can you do you want to take a crack at his delivery, or should I? Oh I'm, God, I'm not even gonna. It's like, hey, and welcome to Tool Time. I'm your host, Al, the Toolman Borland, and this is. Tim, the assistant man, Taylor, <laughs> and today we're going to show you how to build a door jam and <laughs> put molding on. Uh, we're going to we're going to do some molding on our uh, doors. Uh, hey, Tim, do you think they called it uh, they call it molding because uh, or I can't even remember. No, no, that, was, that was Tim's jokes. That was Tim's jokes. Good. But uh, he said uh, if Little Miss Muffet like <laughs> they call it a doorway. Hey, do you think if Little Miss Muffet walked through it, she'd call it a curdsen way? <laughs> Cut to Tim. I don't think so, Al. Gold. <laughs> Gold. See, this is exactly like this scene couldn't have existed until they've nailed all these characters and, and why these uh, lines are funny. I mean, they only really cemented I don't think so, Tim, like six episodes ago. Well, it's it's from the first episode. I mean, it's been throughout this entire season. But, but they but, started dropping it in. Like, yeah. Like like George Foreman said it. Uh, yeah, like, other like, characters. Yeah. It's become a trope at this yeah. point. But I did make a note on that line specifically that um, I love that it's it is a catchphrase, but it's not a catchphrase. I, this is my go to for some reason. Bazinga it feels so gimmicky. Well, that's because it is. It's the yeah. ultimate gimmicky catchphrase. But I don't think so. Tim is always delivered with purpose. I mean, it's never delivered uh, as just a, an empty punchline. Yeah, it's not just a thing that they say when they need to end the scene. Yeah. That's, that's what they... When they need to end a scene, they have Tim and Jill have sex. When they need to end a scene on <laughs> Big Bang Theory, they do Bazinga. Yeah. But, yeah, the, I don't think so, Tim. Like, the it's the setup is really more... Yeah. Uh, like, no one's clapping for I don't think so, Tim. It's for what it's used in reference to exactly. who it is who's saying it. And I don't think that it the joke itself of I don't think so, Tim, works without the subtext... Yeah. Of what's not being said with, yeah. I don't think so, Tim. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes it's a fuck you. Sometimes it's a you don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes it's a... That's know, dangerous. I want you to do it instead of me. Exactly, yeah. there's It's always what's the subtext of it that, that makes that funny. So, so Al goes on trying to be Tim yes. and trying to make jokes. And he's, he's bad at it. Like, the jokes that he's making, the, the bad jokes that he's making are funny in a sort of alt-comedy, awkward way that you <laughs> yes. that you didn't really see into, like, The Office or something. Like, he does he does another one. It totally almost feels like a Michael Scott character. It, it does, because yeah. he does another one where he goes, hey, hey, Tim, do you suppose they call it a t- staple gun because it shoots out staples? <laughs> this was my favorite line. Yeah. Forget the Wilson. I love the Wilson line. Yeah. But Tim goes, yeah. And Al goes, me too. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and another point, Al makes some stupid joke. This is, I think, my best bit yeah. from, from, from this segment. Al makes some dumb joke. It might have been the Curds and Whey thing. And Tim holds up the sign that Al always holds up with the <laughs> contact information. But he's crossed out Tim Taylor at the top and written in Al Borland. He says, that's Al Borland, P.O. Box 4093, <laughs> yeah, right. Detroit. Uh, yeah, that was a great callback, too. Another kind of playing with the, the tropes. And then, and then, just, it's like, it's like they... It's it's like they knew everything. They just condensed all of the bits that get done on tool time and flipped them around so well. Then the, before they get started on working on the door, Al as like he starts to go towards the door and he stops as he remembers something. He turns and he walks towards the audience and goes, "You know what? Just before we start, I want to get something off my chest." Uh, uh, <laughs> so I was at the supermarket the other day. They had <laughs> lima beans. Uh, said three for a dollar, and uh, I I uh, I grabbed four and I. Took him to the cashier, and she said, what can't you count? Women, right? <laughs> and then you get this shot from behind him of the audience, and a woman just gets up and walks out and leaves. And there's a guy there next to her on a phone for on, some reason? Yeah, no, talking on a cell phone, a cell phone that is the size of an aircraft carrier, because it's the <laughs> early 90s. An armored personnel carrier, maybe? Yeah, the finest type of personnel <laughs> carrier, when you need to carry personnel, except no substitutes. Uh, but it... I love I love the idea that someone would be talking on their on their huge conspicuous cell phone yes. during and also that the joke gets so little like attention like if you're yeah. not looking for that you don't see it yeah but so a woman gets up and leaves mind you Tim has said how many misogynistic things to the audience much much worse about women and none of the women in the audience leave but then one of them leaves for this yeah. also to just take issue with what the cashier said to Al yeah it's three lima beans for a dollar. But then if you get four, then it's just the the sale, the original normal price tacked on to the dollar. Don't like, – that person really end up to a sales clerk. Yeah, I think that's the real thing that you need to be talking about. Like, yeah. look, look, I need to get something off my chest, Landon. <laughs> I was watching Home Improvement the other day, and they said a thing about the way supermarkets work that I do not agree with. <laughs> but you really liked how it ended. Yeah, so, but the, the way that this whole scene, I think, plays out in a really great way. And, and even how it ends with um, Al after he delivers this awful lima bean joke and the, the misogynistic uh, woman it, comment. It, it's not a joke. That's real talk, Landon. That's about, that's about stuff we deal with in life. <laughs> he, uh, he's like sweating bullets, and he at that moment realizes, I can't do this. And Tim steps in saying, okay, well, we're going to get to molding. Al, um, whenever I'm doing molding uh, and using my saw, I tend to get splinters. How would I go about uh, correcting that? And kind of tossing Al, be, you know, taking over the reins of being host yeah. and tossing Al a question that he knows how to answer and yeah. realigning the 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 power structure, if you will. The balance. <laughs> the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And Al has this, like, this really sweet, sweet look of, like, thankfulness yes. when Tim bails him out. And that's what, great. They don't have to talk about or come to some big lesson. It's yeah. kind of unspoken between them. Tim realizes, Tim feels pity for Al out there kind of on, on his own and jumps in to do what he does best. And yeah. then Al recognizes that and they have this unspoken thanks. Yeah, ends, ends with kind of a mutual respect. It kind of reminded me of one of the earlier episodes uh, where they spoke in subtitles yes. at the very end. The Annie Hall bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I, I do feel like I got resolution from that, that story. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really great. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I have only one other thing that may be worth mentioning and may not, uh, which is Randy and Brad, the kids in this episode. They're all playing uh, commandos throughout. That's kind of their through line. Yeah. 
Um, and they tie up Mark and put him in the closet. <laughs> classic, classic yeah. boys. But move. in this one, I really felt Mark Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah he's just like, well, they told. Well, <laughs> this, this is the only way I get to play with them. That's really that kind of hurt my soul. <laughs> that was really rough. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I do find it interesting that. Um, they're playing commandos, and Randy has chosen to wear a maroon beret, which uh, denotes the Air Force. Oh. Uh, so Randy, smart little schemer that he is, doesn't, uh, he's not as smart as he seems. That. Yeah. I really burned you, Randy. Ooh, so you don't know the color schemes relevant to which branch of the military. Suck it, Randy. Some sociopath you are. <laughs> I just, I saw him in a beret. 11 year old? I saw him in the beret at the beginning. I was just like, oh, you get that from Jenny Zdarsky? I know she's not your girlfriend, but she's the other beret wearer on the show. What if What if he's seeing her behind Brad's back? That is so a Randy move. <laughs> both both in terms of thing Randy would do and also a what a Randy person would do. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to comment on them. Uh, I don't really have anything else on the boys. The, the boys are there. The boys are back in town, uh, and that's about it. Okay, well, the show notes for this episode will be posted, uh, as always, on our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. Uh, if you enjoyed this week's episode, or any week's episode, really. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're not going to tell you which ones you can and can't enjoy. <laughs> Some are certainly better than others. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, share it uh, wherever you can. Uh, it really helps others find us. Um, Plus, every time you share us, we'll give you an extra hour on the garage schedule. Ah, Not in the middle of the night, either. (laughs) Uh, On our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter in order to get uh, notifications whenever new episodes are available. Plus, uh, I've been giving some trivia and uh, some other fun stuff on there. And so many gifts. Just high-quality, beautiful gifts. (laughs) It's not over. I I don't put them in the newsletter. But uh, they they are on our Twitter, which you can find uh, at GruntWorkPod. Uh, along with uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those other uh, places as well. Uh, and with that, Landon, do you know what time it is? Time to go back in the dungeon. Oh no! I rolled a twenty. That's a, that's a good. Oh, yay!